0: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: And you're back in the Doctor's Lounge. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. We come to you every week with... Topics, issues that doctors discuss amongst themselves in doctors' lounges all across America. We give you the information that you need to arm you so that you can fight for your healthcare freedom. The show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is a organization that has uh, been fighting for the doctor-patient relationship and for healthcare freedom. So. Uh, what we need from you is your support. Shows like this you know, require the uh, support of individuals who want to hear this information. So please go to our website, www.docs4, that's the number 4, org or d4pcfoundation.org, and please contribute generously. We uh, uh, require uh, a certain amount of funds to be able to do what we're doing and, uh, and continue to provide the high-quality work that we've been uh, um, uh, providing for so long, and, and uh, it's, it's just uh, something that we're not going to give up on. The healthcare care fight is not over, and, it's, uh, and we're going to talk about that today, what the, the latest is. With regard to healthcare, I'm welcoming a new sponsor to our show. I think that uh, my co-host, Dr. Karuchik, may have introduced them on the last show, and that's uh, the Heartland Institute. Heartland Institute is a uh, um, a nonprofit uh, free market uh, um, center that uh, is is uh, looking at at multiple things, not just healthcare. They uh, work on energy. They work on on, uh, on security, but they also are very heavily into healthcare and they love working with the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. So, uh, I encourage you to go to their website, which is www.heartland.org and read about them, learn about them, and, uh, in the upcoming months you'll see a bigger footprint from the Docs for Patient Care Foundation in the, uh, Heartland, uh, website and publications. So, my guest today really um is a uh a regular on this show. I feel like uh Don Imus or uh, or or Howard Stern, you know, he has his entourage of uh, people, his regulars, his sidekicks, and my guest today is uh someone who's always uh been available to us and uh, is a regular on our show and that's Dr. Dick Armstrong who is the um the treasurer of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation and uh who who is uh been right at my side with uh, the whole docs for patient care effort over the last eight years, and uh, and so it's uh, uh, an effort that that requires um, more than uh, just a few people to run. But uh, Dick has been um, uh, t- instrumental. Isn't isn't the right word? He's been. Uh, a uh an indispensable cog in this wheel and a leader in in what we're doing and so um i welcome you back into the doctor's lounge dick
2: good morning hal it's good to be here
1: oh well how's the weather up in uh <laughs> in the upper peninsula michigan today
2: it's snowing again i i Pulled out of my driveway, and there's four inches on the driveway, and I thought, "Oh, come on, spring needs to come," you know.
1: Well, you know, you're you're probably a climate denier, aren't you? You know, this is spring, <laughs> and uh, you're probably you're probably wondering what the heck's going on. You know, you can get thrown in jail now for being a climate denier.
2: I know. No, wait. <clears throat> it's funny. Yesterday, you know, our our friend Beth Haines, who is the executive director of BRI, posted a picture yesterday from her deck in California. It was 95 out there, so I said, "Please send some of that <laughs> our way, because we need to melt this snow." But no, I, I who knows what's going on with uh, with. The whole climate thing, and that's that's another interesting topic.
1: But absolutely, we'll, we'll
2: talk about healthcare. Well, I'm sure
1: we can tie climate into healthcare somehow, <laughs> can't we?
2: Okay, sure, right. I know the Zika virus is coming north because of global warming. Warming. There yeah,
1: you go. There you go. Okay. And actually, uh, well, we won't even go into that today. But <laughs> oh. but what, the reason why I wanted to have you back on the show, Dick, is because. You've just spent uh, a, f- a few days in Washington last week with uh, Beth Haynes and with um, the uh, a lot of the people that we've worked with and we've had on our show before. And there's a, a, a number of uh, healthcare uh, topics that Docs for Patient Care Foundation is involved with, and I'm going to I'm going to try to uh, touch on a few of them. But but I think that. Um, the the thing that uh, you know I, I found interesting is uh, that there is an effort that is um, going on, sort of under our umbrella of Docs for Patient Care Foundation, that I'd like you to talk a little bit about, which is the Let My Doctor Practice. Um, effort, and I, I'm not sure we've really covered that much on this show. And I, and I thought that it would be interesting to talk about that and, uh, the PR efforts that, uh, that this group and the, you, you've been involved with them, what, what, uh, came out from, uh, the, the several days in Washington.
2: Sure. I I should back up and say that what happened with this Let My Doctor practice group is that an orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Dan Craviato from Santa Barbara, California, in 2014, like many doctors, was just fed up with all the regulations and, uh, and everything that he had to do with his new electronic medical records and all that. And he just cold wrote an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal called A uh, Doctor's um, Declaration of Independence. And he just sent it to the editor and they published it. That was in 2014. And he got a flood of emails from doctors all over the country saying, I feel just like you. And so he got together with some classmates of his from, from medical school and decided to put together a group uh, to, called the United uh, Physicians and Surgeons of America and they decided that they wanted to do something about healthcare, but they didn't really know that anybody else, including Docs for Patient Care Foundation or anyone else, was out there. They were just uh, working in their own space. And when they started to research this, they discovered that oh wow, you know there are people that have been doing this before us. And <laughs> and, and they just called me. Um, this is back uh, in uh, November of 2014, and they said they wanted to have this giant meeting in, in Keystone, Colorado, and all these people would just come, and I and I, I joke with Dr. Mike Strickland, who's been one of the pushers behind this uh, in Washington, that when he first called me, I didn't know if he was courageous or crazy, and he kind of winked at me and said, I think I was a little bit of both. <laughs>
1: Sounds a little bit <laughs> like us back in, in two thousand and eight, <laughs> two
2: thousand nine. Right, right, and, and so they, I, I thought, okay, well, I'm really excited that there are other doctors in the country that feel like we do, because that's that's one of the tough things is to, has been to get doctors, other doctors, interested in these topics. And so I decided to keep uh, talking to Michael and the rest of the group, and uh, and the Keystone meeting um, came came off, and it was. And Not as many people came to the Keystone meeting as they wanted, but it was really a groundbreaking meeting because it did what he wanted to do, and that is it brought a tremendous number of grassroots groups and others, including even a representative from the American Medical Association and the Texas Medical Association. It brought us all together in one place, in Colorado, <clears throat> and started a conversation. And part of the support of this came from an organization known as the Physicians Foundation, which I won't go into in detail, but it's a grant-making foundation, and they also do some of the best surveys of doctors in America. And uh, Dr. Strickland had approached them with this idea, and they, they were enthusiastic about it, so they decided to help support the meeting. Well, the meeting end, it was, actually took uh, place over a week, uh, and it was partly a web-based meeting and then partly a live meeting, but they developed 30 hours of high-quality video content from that meeting uh, from doctors, including you, Dr. Schurz, and, and myself, and others from our organization uh, who um, had the message for America about what was wrong with healthcare care and some of the more positive things that we thought could change it. So that meeting ended, and <clears throat> the people from the Physicians Foundation and this group, Let My Doctor Practice, didn't want that meeting to just die. They wanted to somehow get the message out. So the Physicians Foundation uh, gave them some more grant funding to proceed with a, uh, an organized strategic public relations campaign to begin to craft a message for the public mostly. Uh, to get out what's wrong with health care because I think that American patients and American doctors have this sense that there's just something terribly wrong but they can't put their finger on it they don't even though we try to explain what all the problems are they don't really uh, grasp all of it so we met (coughs) at a public relations firm that we worked with for several years in the Doctrification Care Membership Organization uh, last Thursday uh, all day after they had done months of preparation for this meeting to develop a strategic campaign to get out to the public to help us doctors explain to our patients what's wrong with health care in America and how we can be the leaders to, to fix it. So that was that's kind of the background of why that meeting happened.
1: You know, it's very um, uh, interesting that you uh, say that we're crafting a message for the public, and um, before the show started, uh, our uh, producer David Moxley and I were having a conversation because of his frustrations with the healthcare system right now. The way it is, he's having you know issues navigating through um, a maze of of roadblocks, trying to figure out you know what. Whether or not he can get a, a, a certain a certain service, a stress test, covered from his insurance, and he can't find anybody who can help him and give him the answers. It's such a convoluted system, and it's gotten so out of control, and nobody wants to take responsibility. And as we find that healthcare is being um, shifted more and more to a central place uh, that will um, be. Uh, where most people will get their health care, namely the hospital, instead of from your doctor, you'll get it from the institution. Nobody's going to take that personal responsibility and help patients. They're going to be lost in this bureaucratic maze of health care that, that's going to be like a, it is already, and it's going to get worse. It's like a Rube Goldberg kind of contraption. But, but, um, so so the 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 whole um thing that I wanted to um uh, expand on with the let my doctor Practice theme is that docs for patient care it has has become involved in this effort um because uh, of who we are and the 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 reach that we have and um the we we introduced them to to um one of our Uh, Friends, a a huge public relations firm in Washington that uh, has uh, crafted, you know, a, a, a brand new message. Do you think it's premature to talk about that?
2: Well, I think that it's kind of a proprietary thing uh, right now, and it's in the development stages. So I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't think it would be a, a good idea to put that out to the public quite yet, because okay. we're still in in the discussion phase. So okay. so, but I think that I can summarize by saying that we 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 need to craft a message that um, identifies uh, who the actual um, problem is in this and that's the intruders in the in the doctor patient relationship all of those third parties insurance companies the government uh, regulatory agencies that end up kind of being invisible in the in the exam room between the doctor and the patient where the the doctor feels like they can't practice which is why i let my doctor practice has its name and the patient doesn't understand what's going on when the doctor's spending all the time on a computer and not looking at them
1: exactly and that's that's Precisely what David and I were talking about uh, before the show started, and what I just got through, uh, we just got through talking about. But we'll, we'll expand more on the Washington experience when we get back into the doctor's lounge after the break.
0: This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit.
2: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com
1: anytime you like.
0: Thank you. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Scherz, and we've got our uh, regular recurring guest with us, Dr. Dick Armstrong, who is telling us about the Docs for Patient Care experience uh, last week in Washington with uh, a lot of good stuff that's going on. Well, one of the big uh, reasons that you were in Washington, Dick, um, had to do with the uh, our new board member, who is uh, Dr. Beth Haynes, who is the um, executive director of the Benjamin Rush Institute, which we've talked about on this show uh, many times. And, um, and uh, Beth and you were there because uh, BRI held a meeting.
2: That's right. Um, the Benjamin Rush Institute is a... Uh is actually a spinoff uh, from the Pacific Research Institute held, held by, uh, excuse me, headed by our friend Sally Pipes. And Sally uh, f- uh, felt a need years ago for an organization similar to the Federalist Society. The Federalist Society has been around for about 25 years. It's an organization on law school campuses uh, to promote more uh, conservative uh, free market principles uh, in law as opposed to having the government uh, run everything. Uh, so Sally th- saw the need and developed this organization, which was originally called the Benjamin Rush Society, and when John Graham, who was the head of it, uh, resigned and went on to another job, Sally hired uh, Dr. Beth Haynes, our friend and our board member now, to head the Benjamin Rush Institute. The cha- The name had to change. For a lot of reasons, but that doesn't make any difference. In any event, um, the Benjamin Rush Institute is setting up chapters in medical schools all over the country because our medical students are literally being indoctrinated into the government way of doing things. So we wanted uh, a place for medical students to learn about um, market-based principles for healthcare reform and the ethics and philosophy of, of traditional medicine. You know, individual patients get individual care that follows what Hippocrates taught us years ago. So this is growing uh, tremendously and this was our fourth um, annual student leadership meeting uh, which we held in Washington with the help of the American Enterprise Institute where part of the meeting uh, was held. We had 63 medical students from around the country and around the world uh, with three of the medical students that came were from Nigeria. Uh, these were students that found the Benjamin Rush Institute and were interested in free market reform and had contacted Beth and asked, could could they come too? And uh, Beth uh, actually worked with the State Department to get them visas. Wow. And they, they came as well. And it was just a, a tremendous meeting uh, over about three days uh, with these students who were just
1: fantastic. So in Nigeria, do they have – is that a um, – a, uh, a, a, a government-run healthcare care system?
2: They do have a government-run healthcare care system. But one of the students, uh, uh, Aishat, who presented uh, some of her experiences, uh, had to go out and do a community-type service uh, rotation as part of medical school, and she chose to go to a private clinic out in the rural areas of Nigeria that was run by a surgeon. And she gave a really interesting talk. This surgeon uh, built everything in his practice himself. He built an operating table that, that moved up and down on a set of jacks. <laughs> he, built, he, built he built his own sterilizer that was powered by steam, and, it, and then the steam was made by burning corn cobs. Um, he oh, made his own. Gosh. He made his own normal saline himself for his intravenous solutions. It and sounds amazing, un, unbelievable.
1: When, when, when are we, you and I, going to go there and operate? Well,
2: <laughs> well, we may not go there and operate. But at the end of the meeting, the three Nigerian students asked me what they would, what they would have to do to get me to come to Nigeria uh, to talk to their medical school, and I said, well, you just have to invite me.
1: And, <laughs>
2: So that that may happen. Beth and I talked about that yesterday, and uh, they they're going to be they're seniors in medical school. So if we're going to do that, we have to do it within the next year. How come? Because they're seniors. These three uh-huh. students are seniors, and they're going to graduate. And I they'll, oh, I they'll got. Be it. Out. You know, and there's some other things that have been going on that tie in with that. The, the Nigerian Surgical Society has approached the American College of Surgeons uh, about cooperating on some. Uh, efforts to bring American surgery to poverty-stricken areas. And we could combine those two things uh, and and do some really uh, interesting uh, communication uh, and good things from America across the world uh, uh, with free market principles.
1: And, and, you know, this is happening, actually. I, I want people to understand that this is not a unique opportunity uh, um, uh, Issue or not an issue, but a, a unique circumstance. American doctors go all over the world and 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 give their their time and their skill um, to to um, impoverished and underserved areas all throughout the world. Um, our, our group, the doctors in my group, go to. Uh, Go to South America and Central America and do this, and and uh, and I have friends who do this in in uh, Southeast Asia and in Africa. This is what American doctors do, and you know one of the things that just really sticks in my craw is the you know when we see these articles that appear in newspapers virtually every week about um, the the. Uh, the the problem doctors out there that they try to generalize uh, and paint um, the profession with a broad brush based on the bad behavior of a few people when in fact it's really I mean the the medical profession is is uh, the highest I, I think the highest you know, profession that there is in terms of uh, service to humanity. And um, the things that we are working on on a daily basis in the Docs for Patient Care Foundation underscores those principles, what we're trying to do for our patients, not for ourselves.
2: That's right, Hal. And what what we need to do, and one of the things we talked about with the public relations firm in Washington, uh, the PR people said, you know, every every epic story has uh... has three classic sections there's a villain there's a victim and there's a hero every story and doctors in the united states unfortunately not individually but as a group have become victims and villains and that's absolutely upside down what we need to do is change the narrative in the united states and that will only happen with physician leadership we need to become the heroes we need to become the leaders that save the American medical system and and shine a light on how good it is, and that's what one of the things that you just uh, mentioned, is that American doctors uh, are giving of their time, they go all over the world do, doing things, they do charity things all across the United States, uh, but the story doesn't get told. We've allowed someone else to tell the story, and that really needs to change.
1: That's right, and actually, I want to just change what you said, Dick, a little bit, because we don't need to become the heroes. We are the heroes. That's right. We just You're need right. to. We need we, to tell that story appropriately. Exactly. And and it's because doctors have been have been lulled into into a stupor by by special interests that um, want to take advantage of the system because there's so much profit to to suck out of the two and a half trillion dollar healthcare economy and uh it doesn't have to be that way and uh and we are talking about uh special interests sucking out money from from the system we're also talking about doctors who are shaking down other doctors and and i'm going to um i'm pulling this in this direction because i i wanted you to share with everyone um, one of the speakers at the Benjamin Rush Institute meeting, who is our uh, good friend, Meg Edison, and okay. uh, the, the, um, the message that she gave to the students and the efforts that she's been involved in.
2: Meg Edison is a friend of ours from, from our previous days as a doctor patient care of the membership organization, and Meg has just been pivotal in the state of Michigan on the legislative uh, efforts not only for medicine, but other things. She she became involved in Michigan's right to work effort and uh, was was actually one of the principal people that helped move that legislation through the Michigan legislature to become law. And because of that experience, she felt like uh, one small person could make a big difference if they were doing the right
1: things. She's a hundred percent right. We we yep. we're living uh, testimony to that.
2: Yep. And so Meg has taken on officially the maintenance of certification issue in Michigan, uh, and she has brought not only the Michigan State Medical Society into that effort, um, but she, and with a new program called Right to Care, if you look that up, Right, the number two, CARE in Michigan, you will, uh, a video will come up, and Meg Edison is the star. The Right to Care program. Has received so much attention in Michigan that she ended up on the cover of the Michigan State Medical Society magazine. Um, And now she has efforts in the Michigan State State Legislature, actually the first legislation of its kind, that would prevent insurance companies and hospitals from using one single board, the American Board of Medical Specialties, to credential physicians so that other boards, the one you're on, the NBPAS, could, could credential doctors and no one has a monopoly on it.
1: So the um the, what what uh is happening right now I mean I I'd like you to tell Meg's story a little bit because this is this is uh you know really important there's you know efforts that are going on around the country that uh Docs for Patient Care Foundation is involved with that um are efforts to empower not just doctors but also patients you know people want to know what they can do to fight back, and, and and I think that what we're now becoming as a foundation, and what is coalescing and becoming quite obvious, is that Docs for Patient Care Foundation is more like a clearinghouse for great ideas and empowerment than it is an actual um, activist organization. And we provide the frame, the framework, and the and the expertise and leadership and direction. To help people who have good ideas go and and uh, do what what's needed to be done and and uh, and and connect people and bring people who have uh, like-minded ideas together, like the the work that we're doing with the uh, direct primary care or the work that we're doing with uh, certificate of need, and I think that um, what we're what we're seeing is that. People can make a difference by by um, working together and and trying to affect change um, at the state level, and that's what Meg is doing with um, an issue that we've talked about on this show numerous times, which is the maintenance of certification issue.
2: Right, right, and you know, she she was what she realized was that she needed to have a powerful group of doctors in the state of Michigan behind her effort in order to make a difference. So she became a delegate to the House of Delegates in the Michigan State Medical Society. She was able to effectively communicate why this was so necessary to the people in the Michigan State Medical Society and pass resolutions that then she could take on to the legislature and say the Michigan State Medical Society, these 17,000 doctor members support this idea, which is a very powerful thing when legislators are trying to decide uh, what to do with legislation. If they can say that the Michigan State Medical Society supports what Meg is doing, it gives her that much more power.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, I think that uh, anybody who uh, wants to uh, learn about about this issue about MOC and about uh, how, how uh, as a physician, you can uh, fight back. You simply need to either go to our website or to the NBPAS website and uh, learn about this. And we'll talk a little bit more about this and some other Washington events when we get back in the next segment on The Doctor's Lounge.
0: Thank you.
2: This is Michael Connolly inviting you to listen each Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern to my show, Our Constitution, only on America's
0: web radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak.
3: Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m.
0: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Our um, guest today is one of our regulars, Dr. Dick Armstrong, reminding uh, everyone to support the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Um, we've got uh, an upcoming meeting, which I'm going to talk about <coughs> Excuse me, a little bit um, later in the show before we go off air. But uh, it's it's your help, your support that allows uh, efforts like that to uh, happen. So so please uh, go to our website and uh, help us out. Don't uh, don't uh, think that it just happens by itself. We need you, um, Dick. You are. Uh, I got a a, a text from uh, my co-host, our buddy uh, Mike Karuchik, um and he wanted me to uh, have you. Uh, um, tell your Delta Pledge nickname.
2: <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure what he means. I, you know, I th- this morning he was emailing back and forth with Craig Wax, who's part of the Let My Doctor Practice group, that, and he said that if he goes off the rails, that there'll be there'll be people from uh, from the Doctor Patient Care Found- Foundation that'll hit him upside the head. And I, I don't, I don't know if you uh, are familiar with Leroy Jethro Gibbs from the NCIS program, but he he's constantly smacking Tony upside the head when he doesn't act right.
1: <laughs> okay, all right, it's very good. Uh, inside inside uh, medical humor, I like right, right. I, I like yeah. that.
2: Okay.
1: So so um, one of the one of the venues that uh, well the, the meetings that you um, had. Uh, were were held in some uh, places that most most people who listen to this show are familiar with. One was at uh, AEI. You already mentioned that. And I'm going to just have you go a little bit further into that in a minute. Sure. The other the other was at the Heritage Foundation, which right. uh, has been you know a huge supporter of docs for patient care way back when we were a fledgling membership organization and right. uh, or foundation there are they're, uh, they'd be, uh, they've been a, a uh, an indispensable partner in in helping us uh, and introduce us to the people that we need to be uh, interacting with on a regular basis and uh, the Heritage Foundation produces uh, uh, monographs and white papers about a whole array of Topics that are important to all of America, and healthcare is one of their uh, major topics of interest. And uh, uh, there were two recent uh, um, uh, publications that uh, were produced from uh, Heritage uh, that uh, I know that you're familiar with, Dick. Uh, one was uh, um, the one by by uh, our friend uh, John O'Shea, and the other one was. From uh, from Bob uh, uh, Moffitt, former uh, director of healthcare at, at Heritage, now a, an emeritus, a senior advisor there, and it, I, I found it was very interesting because the this is information that's coming from the Heritage Foundation about healthcare, and they're talking about um, what's going on right now, and they almost seem to have two very divergent messages, didn't they?
2: Well, they did, and I think that uh, you know. First, I will have to say um, kudos to Bridget Wagner, who's the director's uh, director of coalition services at Heritage. Bridget has been uh, like the guardian angel of the Doctor Patient Care Foundation and Bri, and she was with with us there. In and Washington. I will
1: sec- I, w- I want to second that as well. Yep. I don't want. I want to be on record as saying. <laughs> and 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 for full disclosure, Bridget is one of the um, the senior advisors. On the on our advisory board at right. the Oxford Patient Care Foundation, right. and
2: we're we're happy to have her. And uh, it, it I can't say enough about Bridget. I I um I told her before I left Washington, I gave her a big hug and told her that we all loved her, and she gets that. So, um, concerning the messages coming out of the Heritage Foundation, uh, John O'Shea's paper uh, was about uh, living in the regulatory age of Macra. Macra is the law that was passed that. Uh, got rid of the old payment system in Medicare uh, for physicians that was known as the SGR. You might have heard things about the doc fix if you followed that. uh. But the the SGR repeal included a new set of uh, regulatory requirements that covered about 253 pages of that legislation that most doctors and most Americans don't know about. So John's paper was to try to explain to people what's happening under the SGR and his plea in that paper was that CMS uh, slowed down on this, that, they, that the metric reporting and all that's, that's measures that doctors have to report around the country are just crushing physicians. In fact, the Physicians Foundation uh, supported a, uh, a paper that was just published uh, in Health Affairs that was done at the Weill Cornell Medical Center through some MG uh, the uh, Medical Group Management Association data of about 3500 practices in the country and what they found is doctors around the United States are reporting 1,370 separate metrics to insurance companies and government agencies. It's costing 15 billion dollars a year. It takes doctors about 750 work hours per year to do it and it's costing 40,000 dollars per year per doctor for practices to do this. So no wonder practices are being crushed by this, but the, but the appalling thing is that there's no evidence that anything in healthcare has been improved by doing this. And so MACRA uh, makes them uh, expand upon this metric reporting problem. And so what, what John's paper was kind of pleading with the government saying, look, <laughs> you're crushing us. We need to slow down. And, and thank goodness that we have people like Dr. Mike Karuchak, who's our vice president, who's now talking directly to CMS about this issue about you know if you're going to implement macra talk to doctors slow it down maybe we can work with you to find some quality reporting systems that actually help patients instead of the crushing bureaucratic burden that we're under right now
1: and it's it's really just just mind boggling that there are there's a there are people who embrace this, who think that this is a great thing, that this whole new this system that is being concocted is going to have any benefit on the care that people get. It's it's gonna be just the opposite.
2: Well, correct, and what people get what happens is people get locked into the fact that they it's a philosophic view that there has to be some central control mechanism for health care in the United States. And actually, the Affordable Care Act centralized that even more. But I think what people are realizing is there's no way for a gigantic government bureaucracy to keep up with the dynamic changes in health care in the United States or anywhere. Right. This huge economy cannot be centrally managed. It It needs to be... Uh, opened up uh, and freed, and that's what our organization is about: removing those barriers, allowing freedom to develop, so that people can do things like direct primary care mm-hmm. and other models of care in the nation.
1: And I like to invoke the uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, truisms or mantras of somebody that I ho- hold in very high esteem, which is um, my buddy Dennis Prager, who always likes to say, "The bigger the government, the smaller the individual." That's the truth. That's the truth. And, and, the truth. It, it, and it, it applies um, no better than in healthcare.
2: Right. The second paper that just came out of Heritage that you mentioned from Bob Moffat, who is also an incredible scholar and friend of our organization, uh, just came out uh, yesterday, and it was about an analysis. It's twenty-five pages long of the of the things that are are uh, dysfunctional about the Affordable Care Act and how it is ripe for repeal. Now the interesting thing is, is I know that the uh, that our our friend Tom Price and uh, Speaker Ryan want to place some legislation on the floor, and in fact, most of that legislation and the ideas behind that were crafted at AEI uh, by Scott Gottlieb and Jim Capretta and his group. Um, that's kind of complicated, but it will be. Uh, the answer to the political mantra that's out there that the Republicans have no plan, that's, that's been hogwash for years. There's just too many Republican plans. And they, they need to coalesce around some ideas that really help America uh, and, uh, and allow for a more consumer-oriented uh, healthcare market, which uh, is a whole other topic. But uh, these scholars, and I'll make this comment, one of the roles of, I think, the Doctor Patient Care Foundation is to take these scholarly papers from places like AEI and the Manhattan Institute and the Heritage Foundation and translate those papers into understandable language for the public. We need to explain to the public what these people are doing and why it's so important in, in a way that the public can understand why it's important for us to exist, to, to give that message out.
1: Let me let me say this a little bit different way, because I think it's a two-way message. It's, it's not a, a, a unilateral or unidirectional um, role. I think that the real benefit of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation is to be the resource for these policy groups, which unfortunately we've not been asked to be often enough. You're
2: exactly right. And
1: and the the reason why that is so important is because these people live in a bubble. They live in a vacuum and they have absolutely no ability to understand what the real issues in the doctor's office is on a daily basis, yep. and so you can talk about healthcare and, and theorize about it, and and you know, and and look at it from a thirty thousand foot level, or you can be at at sea level and and uh, be living it every day, which is what we do. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is the only physician led. Healthcare think tank in the country that's operated by actively practicing physicians.
2: That's exactly right, Helen. Case in point: when we went to the State Policy Network meeting in Grand Rapids, Michigan, last year, this is a group of policy people from all over the country. We were the only doctors there.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, I think that uh, that this is this is. Uh, you know, the message that we try to, to uh convey to people on a daily basis and and one of the you know, we are, we have our major major areas of focus which I mentioned in the last segment, um direct primary care legislation, C O N legislation, um working on other issues like IT or um or tort reform. And uh, right now what we're doing, is, as uh, Dick knows, is Dr. Armstrong helps with on a regular basis. We're crafting a plan. We have our prescription for health care reform, which everybody um, should uh, look at if you uh, don't already uh, know about it. It's on the website uh docs for foundation org and it outlines the principles which have been adopted by people in Washington and uh, incorporated into their own plans but as health care changes and as the landscape becomes a little bit more mudd- muddied because of Obamacare the solution is going to need to be a workaround instead of uh, instead of gutting Obamacare I think that that's you know, wishful thinking. But in lieu of that, we need to have workarounds, and the things that we're talking about are the the common sense ways of working around um, around the uh, the problems. And and uh, we, we we've got one more segment coming up, and uh, we're going to wrap up the Washington experience, Dick, and uh, some some last thoughts about all the stuff. Uh, that's going on right now in Docs for Patient Care Foundation and healthcare when we get back into the doctor's lounge. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars
2: with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com.
0: This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m.
2: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com.
0: Thank you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: And you're back in the doctor's lounge. Um, my guest today is uh, Dr. Dick Armstrong, and I just want everybody who's listening to uh, understand the quality of the people that we have in the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. I don't think that there's anybody in this country. Who understands healthcare as well as Doctor Armstrong does? We've covered an incredible amount of ground in the last three segments. This is completely unscripted. This is off the cuff, and he has been um, right there with facts at his fingertips about all of these different um, areas in healthcare. And so, so if. Uh, if you're interested in uh, the, the things that, that um, we're talking about, which you should be, which are all the uh, health care problems that affect each and every one of us, um, go to the Docs for Patient Care website and, uh, and help and support us. And, uh, and we'll continue to do our work and bring you uh, the information every week here on uh, the Doctor's Lounge that you'll need so that you'll be able to uh, help uh, fend for yourself. Um, so, two two topics we want to cover in this last short segment, Dick. One is going to be um, the uh, what's what's going on with our you know the societies in America that have sort of uh, dropped the ball, but maybe are now seeing the light. And you've been talking with the American College of Surgeons um, recently, and uh, and you mentioned that briefly a few minutes ago. So I want you to kind of give a perspective on that. And finally, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we're trying to do and our epic meeting that we're going to be holding in in, uh, Dallas in October.
2: Okay, I'll just mention briefly that, you know, all of these problems uh, that we are speaking about with american doctors are pervasive they they are across the spectrum and the american college of surgeons is the largest educational surgical organization in the world and i i'm a fellow of the american college of surgeons so i'm mm-hmm. I. Um, and uh, they they did come out against the affordable care act about 2 days before it passed uh, uh, in 2010 but it's a big organization and they had a hard time working through it and uh, I don't think that at the, at the time uh, they were as politically astute, maybe, or connected as, as some of the rest of us were, but that's kind of uh, old news right now. One of the things that happened then is the American College of Surgeons developed a, um, a communities blog that allowed allowed the fellows of the college to communicate directly with the leadership, and that's been going on for a year, and it's very popular, and they're getting a lot of feedback. And from that blog, I was invited by the president of the American College of Surgeons, to come to a uh, specific leadership meeting in Chicago last October, and I went. And it was an amazing meeting because we had surgeons from all over the country, from large institutions, academic institutions, uh, big community hospitals, rural areas, and they were all upset about the same thing that's upsetting doctors and patients around America, and that was number one they um, they felt a tremendous loss of autonomy. Somebody was telling them how to do their jobs, which was the whole origin of the Let My Doctor Practice movement. And the second thing was that they were absolutely miserable with the mandated forced use of these EMR systems, which are just clunky and don't do what they say that the, that they're gonna do. And they felt like there was nowhere to go. And,
1: Didn't they support that initially, Dick?
2: Well, they did support high-tech initially, and that's because the AMA supported high-tech initially. And again, it was a PR campaign that was uh, really to benefit the large vendors like Epic and Cerner and, and, and uh, Meditech and those people in lieu of benefiting the physicians who actually care for patients and that's one of the one of the efforts that our vice president Dr. Kruchek is intimately involved in and working on at the highest levels right now but the thing that was so amazing about the ACS and we had another conversation uh, this week a video conference with uh, Dr. David Hoyt who is the executive director of the ACS and Dr. Tyler Hughes is the moderator of the communities and what was very apparent in this meeting is that the American College of Surgeons is doing some good things, and they always have been doing some good things. They're they're the, one of the best educational organizations for surgery in the country and the world. They've got some great outreach programs. They've got... The, all kinds of things going on. And David let off his presentation with the statement, we want to bring the joy of practicing surgery back to the practicing surgeon. And I couldn't have said it better myself. It made me want to cry, frankly, because this is the same kind of thing that uh, Arthur Brooks talks about, about having happiness in your work. And that's what, that's what was missing around the table in Chicago with all these surgeons. They felt defeated. They felt that they, they didn't have any job satisfaction anymore, that their autonomy, their happiness and their work had been sapped from them and taken away. And if you look at the Mayo Clinic surveys and the Physicians Foundation surveys, where f- over 50% of American surgeons and, uh, and, and physicians are burned out, um, over 50% of American doctors tell their kids they don't want them to go into this profession, that's a crisis. We are at crisis level and that's, and that's how we need to respond. Mm-hmm. So um, the American College of Surgeons, I think, is, is ripe for uh, communicating with them on common ground, things we can do together, and they, and they do have 78,000 surgeons, and amazingly, most of these surgeons feel like we do. Uh, and they just wanna, they want a path forward. We, we can, as leaders, not just to the Doctor for Patient Care Foundation, but all of these other groups that are coalescing together, we can be that leadership focus, and I I, I have no doubt we can do that. Maybe so, maybe
1: the American College of Surgeons can become a sponsor for the Doctor for Patient Care Foundation.
2: Well, it might happen. That's That would be a real feather in our cap, but we're going to start those conversations, and uh, just like uh, Dr. Karuchak is talking directly with Andy Slavitt from CMS, you know, and the, Message came out of CMS that they're tired of punishing doctors. Well, good for them. They need to be tired of punishing doctors because it's not working.
1: No, it's not. And we want to bring the joy back to uh, doctors. Um, and because when doctors enjoy what they're doing, the people who benefit the most are their patients. That's exactly
2: right, Hal. That's and- that's, that's that's the that's the basis of it. And it really. Uh, Doctors love what they do, and they need to be supported so they can continue to love what they do.
1: And one of the biggest problems in medicine today is the fact that doctors are no longer going into primary care because there is no joy in primary care. Right. But that's changing, isn't it? It
2: it sure is, and uh, you can talk about the meeting that you and Dr. Lee Gross are putting together with the TMA with the Physicians Foundation support in Texas
1: Well, this is going to be an incredible meeting, Dick, isn't it? This is something that we have worked at trying to put together for the last two years, at least. Right. And um, what this meeting will be, and I've been teasing it on the show, um, and uh, um, Lee Gross, um, who is also a a great friend of this show and a great friend of ours and colleague on our board, um, who... Operates one of the oldest and most successful direct primary care practices in America is uh, helping uh, is one of the people putting this together. He has assembled the uh, the who's who's list of people in direct primary care and free market medicine who are chomping at the bit to be involved in this meeting. In fact, some of the people were offered travel. And uh, and uh, or stipend, and they turned it down so right. that they could be part of this. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be incredible. I, you know, I, why don't you say something about it, Dick?
2: Well, the the meeting is uh, is a combination effort between the Physicians Foundation, who's giving us grant support, uh, and the Texas Medical Association and their good people, Lou Goodman and Tom Garcia, the president uh and and us and we're putting together the agenda uh the, because the TMA has a lot of expertise in uh in, um, meeting in holding planning. meetings mm-hmm. in Texas they're they're working on the logistics for the meeting and it will be offering uh, 12 hours of CME for all the people who attend and not only that The people at the Physicians Foundation felt so strongly about that that they said they want doctors to be able to to come to this without really having to to put out much money. So for the first 250 registrants, they'll have to be charged a $100 registration fee, but when they check in at the door, they get it back.
1: That's unbelievable, and that's That's why this is going to be over. I think that uh, Lee Gross told us that uh, he's been teasing it, and and I think it's going to to sell out like a... uh, Like in the Dell concert. Right, and
2: the other thing is what we want, it's going to be uh, attracting primary care physicians who want to learn about this, and it's also going to be attracting primary care physicians who are already doing it and want to learn more. This is a developing movement. There's a lot of things happening uh, uh, with legislation, both at the state and the federal level, that needs to be clarified. But what this meeting should be is that all of the experts will be in one place. People that want to learn how to do direct primary care should be able to come to this meeting and leave after the meeting knowing how to open their practice and also knowing where the resources are, who the contacts are, that they can call for help when they need it.
1: And what I like to say to people when we talk about direct primary care is just what you said before, Dick. This is going to bring the joy back to their lives in in medicine because they're going to be able to see um, the uh, fewer number of patients during the day to um, keep their overhead. Um, manageable so they're going to have a predictable income stream. They're going to be able to take better care of their patients because they're going to be able to devote more time to them and they're going to be able to put more resources back into their practice to keep their patients healthier with life coaches or, or um, co- nurse coordinators who will be able to follow up on patients and this is going to be the, what saves American health care.
2: I have no doubt, and uh, this really connects patients with their doctors and allows the doctor and patient the freedom to communicate, to talk, to be with each other, uh, whatever way works best for them.
1: And I'm privileged to uh, be um, one of the people, and I know you are as well, Dick, who is going to um, uh, be pushing this and bringing this to America and uh, waving this flag and fighting this battle.
2: Well, there's no doubt about it, and I, I, you know, this is a a tremendous thing for those people who want to go into primary care. And just being with the medical students, Danny McCorry, who was one of the Bri leadership students from Georgetown,
1: yeah, one minute, one minute,
2: okay, wrote a paper that allowed us to uh, to get the legislation passed in Michigan. But Danny told me at this meeting that Bri and direct primary care changed his career path and changed his life. That's powerful
1: that is very powerful and and I think that uh, you know we we've covered a lot of ground today on a lot of powerful subjects and the, the reason why I want to John is because there's so much going on that uh, that involves uh, American health care and Docs for Patient Care Foundation and, and what we're doing and what we're bringing to to uh, patients and and uh, the health care system that uh, it's very exciting and, and health care is not dead Nope. And, not, uh, not hardly. Not hardly, and and uh, it's going to take all hands on deck to fix this. But but I have no doubt in them that it won't. Will, that it'll get fixed, and I'm incredibly optimistic. And I I want to thank you, Dick, for being on the show today.
2: Thanks, Hal. You, too, and for everything you do.
1: Well, thank you, too. And uh, we will look forward to having you back on the Doctor's Lounge next week with my uh, co-host, Dr. Michael Karuchik, and I'll be back with you in two weeks with our uh, guests from the uh, Heartland Institute. Till next time, thanks for joining us in the Doctor's Lounge.
0: This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.